1: This is Hannah Forden for Heritage Radio Network on tour here at Good Food Mercantile in Brooklyn. Um, Our coverage today is supported in part by the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts. And it's been a really fun, long day. Um, right now I'm sitting down with Josh Rogers, who is the founder of Cup of Sea, which I just recently saw out in the wild at Foragers this past week, which was a sign. So I'm very excited to talk with you. Hi, Josh. Thanks for sitting with me.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Um, and Josh was just recently on the Farm Report, so if you would like a deep dive into uh sustainable seaweed and aquaculture and all of the uh, hard-hitting, agricultural, sustainable side of the story. You should check that out. Um, So Josh, you were just telling me about your background, which I found very interesting. I'm always fascinated to hear about how people found themselves in the food world because I think we all come from diverse backgrounds. So you came from Zagat and then Google. Uh, so tell me about when that shift happens, when you decided to go into the world of seaweed.
2: Yeah. So my professional background was as a writer, editor, and I worked at Zagat, which is a, the famous restaurant guide in, based in New York City. And I was there for probably about seven years before one day these magical creatures descended from the sky and said, we're from Google and you know, we're buying your company. And from now on, you get free lunch every day. And so henceforth, we were Google employees, and that was uh, just an amazing five years that I was at that company. And so I was still doing food writing for for them, but um, it was more around the dining space and the travel space and things like that. Really thinking about, we weren't, uh, at at that point, we weren't quite as close up to the everyday um, restaurant scene going on in New York City. Um, But still always thinking very much about food, thinking about the foodie world. Um, and at Google, it was very much about helping diners make choices, basically, about where to eat. Because um, it's there's a million options out there, basically. And so I was really missing Maine. I'm from Maine originally, and I was missing Maine so much and missing even just that smell of the ocean. And so I started cooking with a lot of seaweed from Maine. And one day I was in the Google cafeteria and I was drinking some green tea and I was just struck by the fact that it smelled and tasted exactly like the kelp I was cooking with. And so I started thinking about seaweed tea and I figured this must exist already, but um, I'm just gonna Google it and see. And there really was nothing like that out there on the market. So I just kind of followed that away and kept thinking about it until finally, uh, about three years ago, my wife and I moved back to Maine, uh, to Portland, and I just started tinkering.
1: Um, so you started out, correct me if I'm wrong, with a retail version of this idea. Was it, the retail came first, correct?
2: Yeah, so originally, and and I totally credit my experience at Google to helping me um, really figure out what product development is and how to start actually really tiny and user tests from the very beginning. And so I just, in my little kitchen in Portland, I started ex- blending things and then I I got them out in front of people who were not friends and who didn't know me and you know internalized that feedback and and kept iterating on it and developing different blends. And so this was not my day job at the time. I I was freelancing for Google and um, just starting really small scale. But I had a packaged loose leaf tea that I was selling to, um, selling at farmers markets, but also just to a couple local cafes and different natural health food stores.
1: And what was the trial and error process like of developing your product line? Um, did you, did, were there any um, combinations of flavors that you were like, this is going to be great with seaweed and then you tasted it and you were like, nope.
2: Absolutely. Um, so my first idea, you know, I had was basically to have it be a blend of just different seaweeds, like a pure seaweed tea. And when I tested that, I um, there were a couple people who loved it and everyone else was not having it. Like it was just too much, too, too way too intense. And so that was one of those genius ideas that I had that just very quickly I saw that it was not gonna fly. Um, but every, everything else since then I've, I've had to adjust, but once I started blend, figuring, figuring out that I needed to blend the seaweed with other ingredients, most of the thoughts I've had Pairings have worked worked pretty well, um, and then it's just a, a matter of adjusting it and just seeing seeing uh, what the what the market reacts. Yeah.
1: Um, and I, I think in maybe the past two or three years, we've been seeing a lot more. Uh, seaweed uh, in the American market. Obviously, many other parts of the world have had seaweed be a part of their diet for a long, long time, but it seems like the American palate and the American consumers are always looking for the newest superfood, and seaweed is pretty super. It is so rich in nutrients. Um, So it seems like your timing was pretty spot on, but what has been the kind of reaction from retailers um, to this... Fairly innovative product, and are you seeing more and more people looking for uh, innovative ways to consume seaweed and, and benefit from from the, both the flavor and the the nutritional benefits?
2: Yeah, it, like like you said, it is a really interesting time for for seaweed in the United States. There's a ton of interest. Um, there have been you know major media stories every week or so for the last you know five ten years. Um, but it's it's one of those gr- it's a growth that's happening you know in fits and starts. So for instance, right now Maine has something like twenty-five or thirty s- seaweed farms, and the market hasn't quite caught up to that yet. But um, but the what what I've really internalized, being sort of on the front lines of the seaweed retail market whether doing tastings, my own tastings, or now I have a store that I sell all sorts of different seaweed things, is there are so many people out there that are ready for seaweed. They, they might not have it as part of their daily diet, but um, they're open-minded about it, and they know it's good for them. They're excited about it, they've heard, they've read the stories about how, how good it is for the environment, um, but they're just, they don't know exactly what to do with it. So it's like they're primed and ready. And so it's great because we, we really do have this expanding marketplace of there are seaweed teas, obviously, that I make. There's kelp jerky. There's pickles and salsa and all sorts of different things where uh, I think entry, entry points for people.
1: Um, and so, tell me about your store. It's uh, heritage seaweed, um, and do you only carry your own line, or are you what are you showcasing other um, main producers?
2: Yeah, so it was it was meant in some ways to solve a problem that I uh, experienced over my you know first year of doing cup of sea the, the the teas, which is basically people tend to like the teas when they've tasted them, but you know, how do you taste them? You're not just gonna necessarily pick something off the shelf and spend $10 on it. So I had to do a lot of demos, which can be very tiring. Um, so when I and, I, and I also had this problem of, I had expanded to the point where it had taken over my house. And so I, I needed a professional kitchen. And so I found this space in Portland where I could make tea on a more industri- you know, more industrial scale. And I could build a custom tasting table and have my tea there every day. Um, so people could taste it. Um, but over that year or two that I had been making the tea, I had met all the different seaweed producers in Maine. And there were so many awesome people doing cool, innovative things with seaweed that I wanted to create this showcase for, for all of us, basically. Um, I, had been, I, had done a ta- I had come back to New York to do a tasting, like a pop-up tasting at Google and I had been working with the the event planner there, and I said, oh, I'd love to bring my friend and he can do like a seaweed um, cooking class. And the event producer said, well, let me just understand, if if he were to do that, could the people that took the class, would they be able to find like the seaweed ingredients? And I was like, yeah, of course, it's every, you know, you can get it at Whole Foods, It's, it's everywhere now, but it's invisible to so many people. So that's the other reason for having the store is like, it's literally putting it on the map, saying seaweed exists, we have all the products here, you can come and learn about them, experience them, taste them, talk to someone who actually knows about them. Um, So it it really needed that physical world um, space dedicated to it.
1: I think a lot of the conversations I've had today have come back to the conversation about um, education being your most important marketing tool as a, as a, a small business, and um, so many people in this room are um, approaching the, the food industry from a really creative and innovative direction that might not be familiar to many uh, consumers, that education is so important, and having that retail space seems like a crucial way of doing that. And you also mentioned that you um, started, you launched Seaweed uh, seaweed Week in Maine, um, which also is, seems like a very good way to educate consumers. So tell me about that and um, how you brought it together for a seaweed food festival.
2: Yeah, so it was, a, it was like a crash course in major event planning. <laughs> I got the idea basically in December and um, planned this festival for April, which is during the kelp harvest season. Um, and really trying to showcase all of this, all of the cool things happening with seaweed in Maine, wild harvest and farm seaweeds, but really focusing on farm seaweed as something that's going to be the future of seaweed. That's where we're going to expand, and trying to get seaweed in front of the public through the best way I knew how from my Zagat days, which is restaurants. Like when restaurants do something people listen, and the chefs are basically the rock stars of our day. And um, the other pro- you know problem with seaweed is that people think it's just one thing, and one taste, and maybe you could put it in soup or something. But really, it's, it's this, there are 10,000 species, um, there's an incredible variety of tastes, and even culinary uses, it could be used as a thickener, uh, all sorts of different things. And so wanted to showcase that. And so created this event called Seaweed Week. And we, it was timed to the kelp harvest, so it was kind of a kelp harvest festival. And it ended up being about 70 locations all around Maine, about half of it in Portland. And it was everything from high-end restaurants to um, there were seaweed cocktails um, we had three different bre- brewing companies that did seaweed beers. There was like a chocolate seaweed stout, um, which was actually like probably the best chocolate um, stout I've ever had. And um, there was um, seaweed bagels. There was pizza, ice cream, um, like fine chocolate, artisan chocolate. Just It really ran the gamut and just showed people how versatile uh, this crop is so it was it was a huge success and um we had people coming from like washington dc and new york and boston and really like going to as many places as they could check off the list and so we're absolutely going to bring it back next next april and do it again
1: awesome Uh, and i know you touched on this more with lisa but uh as a as someone who lives in new york city what is farmed uh, seaweed look like? Uh, how, how, how do you cultivate it?
2: Yeah, so we are only cultivating a few species in the United States right now. Um, it's mostly been done in Asia histor- historically. 10 years ago, the first seaweed farm was started in Casco Bay, which is right off of the coast of Portland. And now there's, a, like I said, about 30 seaweed farms in Maine. And what happens? This the particular species that we're cultivating are a couple of different species of kelp, and their growing season is it's planted in December, and then harvested in late late April, early May. And the the process is basically um, in a laboratory facility. It's just grown on these small little threads wrapped around a PVC pipe. And then in December you go out and you basically spin that thread around a, a giant rope that's attached to some buoys. It's cold, it's not very fun, but the harvest is fun. And then really you just check on it every couple of weeks. It, there's no fertilizer involved, no pesticides, um, no watering to do or anything like that. And so you, you come back and then in, in April, May, it's huge. And you go out and kind of winch up sections of the rope and slice it off and then dry it. Or um, some people are starting to do some things with, like, the fresh seaweed as well. So it's it's fun. Like, the, the harvesting is is really cool. And uh, it we're, it's very interesting right now because Maine's marine eco- economy has really... It used to be fairly di- diversified, and now it's really just lobsters for the most part. And so... Seaweed is growing, it's still really tiny, but a, lobster, a lot of lobstermen are getting into seaweed farming because they already have the equipment, obviously, and it's kind of a hedge against what's going, what could happen with the lobster market, with climate change and other things. Um, and it's off season for them, so, you know, they're, they're not doing anything in the winter. So it's, uh, it's just a cool kind of thing seeing all these basically fishermen starting to farm. Yeah. Yeah
1: that's that's really fascinating um so walk us through um your product line so you have um is it three or four teas
2: yeah we've got five different blends um three at the show today are three most popular blends um so today i have two herbal teas uh they're all blends it's not just 100 percent seaweed so one of them is um emerald uh, we call it emerald honeybush. it's a Honeybush tea, or rooibos, if you've ever had that, it has some natural sweetness to it, combined with sea lettuce, uh, Ulva Lactuca, which is a neon green. It, do, it does look like a piece of, um, of lettuce. Um, we have another herbal, which is our most popular blend. It's called Sailor's Cure All. It's ginger, turmeric, and bladderwrack, which is pro- probably what people are most familiar with. You see it growing right along the coast. It's got air, air bubbles. Um, that one, uh, all of those ingredients are digestive aids and anti-inflammatories. And then we have a caffeinated tea, which we're just launching today, um, called Bold Coast Breakfast. And it, that one is really meant, it's our first tea that really doesn't have any um, seaweed taste to it. And it's really meant for the people that are nervous about it or aren't sure, just to have a regular black cup of tea um, with a little bit of kelp in it for you know the minerals and other nutrients. You can get a little bit of that into your diet. Yeah.
1: And um, where can our listeners find Cup of Sea?
2: Yeah, you can find it online at cupofsea.me, M-E. Um, you can also find it at Heritage Seaweed. We've got a website and we've got a store in downtown Portland, Maine. And then we're at about 50 or 60 locations, uh, mostly in Maine and New England, a few places in New York City. We're at Forage Market in Dumbo and lifetime market in in manhattan and um yeah
1: awesome well thank you so much for sitting down with me josh and enjoy the rest of mercantile
2: yeah thanks so much for having me
1: and again check out uh josh's interview on the farm report if you want to learn more about seaweed production in maine